The 13th Doctor is back after exactly a year since Doctor Who was last on. The 12th series has kicked off and we're here to discuss each new episode every week on the podcast. So don't go anywhere because today we're talking about Spyfall. Hello and welcome to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast presented by Rob and Lee. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in, downloading, streaming, whatever. Um, if you're new to the podcast, well I'm Rob, he's Liam and every week we'll be reviewing Doctor Who Series 12, sharing our thoughts and hopefully yours if you'd like to get in touch at all. So this is the 1st of January 2020, I'm running on three hours sleep and I've just watched Spyfall. <laughs> Blimey, you're doing very well. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New uh, Year. <laughs> thanks. Uh, and to you, dear listeners, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I have to say, Rob, for someone who's only had three hours sleep, I think, I think you're doing incredibly well. <laughs> well, I had a, a five-minute power nap earlier on, just before Spyfall. All oh, right, okay. It wasn't intentional, you know, I just sat down, woke up on my phone a minute later. <laughs> it's clearly helped. <laughs> we'll go into spoilers soon. Oh, we'll go into spoilers uh, yeah, I saw what you did there. Uh, people who have seen the episode will also know what you've done there. Uh, yes, um, <laughs> people who haven't seen it was just, what the hell is he talking about? Well, watch the episode and find out, folks. <laughs> yes, uh, this is going to be uh, incredibly spoilerific, pr- pretty much from the off. So if you haven't seen uh, episode one of Spyfall uh, and you don't want any spoilers, don't want any information on it, I uh, recommend you stop listening to the podcast right now, this very second. Uh, watch the episode. Oh, they've gone. But we've worked so hard to get them here. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping they'd come back. Watch the episode, come back, and then listen. But yes, uh, basically, this is going to be uh, incredibly spoilerific from, from the beginning. So uh, unless you've seen the episode, um, go and watch the episode, enjoy it, then come back and listen. Cool. Welcome back. <laughs> Jeez, this is lame. Yes, welcome back, folks. Now that you've watched Spyfall episode one... Uh, you've got your own thoughts, so why are you listening to us? Yes. <laughs> Go away. So shortly we'll be getting to the main review. Um, I seem to recall sending you some controversial, drunk WhatsApp messages last night. Oh, yes. All oh, right, yes, the controversial... Um, I'm going to get death threats now, if you read it out. Well, now that you've mentioned it, we can't leave the listeners and just go with what on earth they're talking about. So yes, we were talking about movies, um... Because I'm, I'm a massive Bond fan, so I'm doing this thing where I'm watching the Bond movies uh, in order prior to uh, No Time to Die comes out in April, I think it is, which is the next Bond. So we were talking about movies, and I said I'd just watch Diamonds Off Forever. And this got, this got us into a conversation about movies that you'd been watching, uh, one of which was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, to which you said, Rob, do you remember in your drunken stupor? Something along the lines of... Um... The Last Crusade being better than Raiders? Yes, you did say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yes, that, you're right, that is a controversial opinion, but to be perfectly honest, I don't understand why. Because even though I, you know, I love the Indiana Jones movies, who doesn't, unless you're a moron, um, they're, all, they're all great, really, really enjoy them, although I haven't seen the fourth one. Um, so my I have to still- be honest, I've only seen it 
in part. You know, it's been on the telly a few times. I've only seen bits of it. Ah, right. Um, so in my mind, Indiana Jones is still a trilogy. And I know people have seen the fourth one are probably thinking, you lucky sod. Wish I could still think that. But uh, So I love the first one, but I do think actually uh, Crusade is... I think, in my opinion, the the best one as well. I just, you know, I, I, I much prefer the story. I like the structure of it. It's got Sean Connery in it, who does a brilliant job. So, yeah, I'm probably with you on that one. But where I'm not with you on is your opinion on the Back to the Future movies, to which you said, Rob. What did oh, you say? P- part three is better than part one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should just discreetly move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Yeah, maybe we'll cut to the news. Britbox launches a full range of classic Doctor Who in the UK. Britbox, the subscription streaming service by the BBC and ITV, um, now in the UK includes all existing classic episodes of Doctor Who from 1963's An Unearthly Child starring the first Doctor all the way through to the television movie from 96. This is everything that precedes the revived series since 2005. Along with the main episodes, there's the one-off Sarah Jane spin-off, K9 and Co, uh, the 2013 docurama An Adventure in Space and Time, and a handful of extras, nothing as extensive as the DVDs and Blu-rays, but I think not having all the all the features outweighs the the unreal cheap price and accessibility of having this kind of stuff. Um, they've also included some of the animated recreations of lost episodes. Um, so I've got this 30-day trial of Britbox, and I'll probably not keep it running. I might dip into it from time to time, but for fans um, who don't um, have the physical releases, I think this is the less costly option. Also, um, in between us, star James Buckley is to star in series 12. In recent years, he starred in Zapped alongside Sylvester McCoy. He was in an episode of Red Dwarf, I remember. Um, he played the young Derek Delboy Trotter in the Only Fools and Horses prequel series. In that, he also starred along Pete Tyler's Sean Digwall and, um, as Delboy's dad. And Big Finish's exclusive master, Alex McQueen, was in that too. And of course, he was in, in between us alongside him. Speaking ahead of his Doctor Who appearance, James Buckley has said, It was surreal to be on such an iconic show. I'm really happy to be part of something so well and loved. Hope everyone enjoys it. Oh, something Liam suggested to me last week was to do a Doctor Who trivia question. Should we give that a go this week, Liam? Yeah, yeah. So I just thought it would be fun. (laughs) Whether it becomes a permanent part of the podcast, we'll see. But the idea is um, each one of us have prepared a question to ask the other. Um, just a bit of fun uh, and uh, we, we don't know what the other person's going to ask and later on in the podcast after we reviewed the episode we will then see if we can come up with the, the answer to the trivia question so I do have a question here um, it's kind of relevant to this episode but in Jodie Whittaker's debut episode The Woman to, Who Fell to Earth after she fell through the roof of the train what was her first word spoken? <laughs> right, okay. Well, that, that's a really good question. Okay. 
Well, my question, uh, which as you see is, is relevant to this, um, and I suppose, again, this is just another spoiler warning. Um, so, dead away now. So, my question is, what was the last story we saw the master use his tissue tissue compression eliminator? A television story? Yeah, or audio been, or book? Uh, no, a television story. <laughs> I'm not complicating it with big finish. So, yeah, okay, I'll rephrase that. What was the last televised uh, story we saw the master use his tissue compression eliminator? Okay, um, I think I got this covered. We'll see. <laughs> if I don't get it right, am I disqualified from the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you are, then I know I am, because I don't think I'm going to get your question right, but we shall see. <laughs> so, Spyfall, plot synopsis. It's about time we had something new to talk about. 2019 seemed to be, you know, a whole load of nonsense, a lot of politics. <laughs> it was all a bit of a downer. But, quite ironically, I think the best way to move forward is to quote Mr. Prime Minister himself. This country's been sick. This country needs healing. This country needs medicine. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that what this country really needs right now is a doctor. <laughs> For a moment there, I honestly thought you were going to quote Boris Johnson. Just going, where's this going? What quote is he going to use? <laughs> but I'm sorry. Right, okay. But it was um, arguably one of, our most, one of our most controversial prime ministers, Harold Saxon. So here's a description for Spyfall, part one. Intelligence agents around the world are under attack from alien forces, so MI6 turns to the only people who can help, the Doctor and friends. As the team travels the globe looking for answers, attacks come from all sides. Earth's security rests on their shoulders, but where will the planet-threatening conspiracy lead them? So in terms of... Cast and crew. So this is just the the, the main because the, the, the amount of people involved in making Doctor Who was just absolutely immense. So this is just the main cast and um, some of the crew. So obviously we have the Doctor played by Jodie Whittaker, uh, Graham O'Brien played by Bradley Walsh, Yasmin Khan, Mandeep Gill, Ryan Sinclair, Toss and Cole. Uh, we have Stephen Fry playing C. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of previous Doctor Who connections, he voiced the Minister of Chance in the Doctor Who webcast Death Comes to Time. He also wrote the initial script for episode 11 of series 12, but apparently Russell T. Davis thought it would be too expensive, so moved it to season 3. Uh, but then Stephen Fry wasn't able to find time to make the necessary script alterations. So we oh, got okay. but, but the episode we got instead was Fear Her. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely, yeah. It all worked out. It all worked out. Uh, the next uh, guest star is Lenny Henry, who plays Daniel Barton. Uh, his Doctor Who connection was he played the Doctor in a rather unfunny sketch on his Lenny Henry show in 1985. Um, this can be seen on the DVD and Blu-ray set for The Trial of a Time Lord. Um, uh, it's also on YouTube as well. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. It is on YouTube, yeah. Um, so you can bathe in all its... Um, bizarre glory and if you really have the, the hankering to see a, a Margaret Thatcher Cyberman um, then knock yourselves out um, Sasha Darwin who had previously played Waris Hussein in 2013's Adventure in Time and Space comes and plays O his character is yes. interesting uh, and the writer of the episode was Chris Chibnall the series producer Nikki Wilson the director was James Magnus Stone who I mean he's directed loads of stuff but in terms of Doctor Who he previously directed the 2013 short Clara and the TARDIS. Ah. Uh, 
Yeah. And strangely enough, he's not directing part two of Spyfall. Oh, I hadn't looked ahead. That's interesting. He is directing episode five and also the two-part uh, series finale. Yes, I knew he was doing the finale, but okay, it's interesting he's not doing the second episode, so we'll see if there's any obvious stylistic shift. Uh, the cinematographer for this episode is Catherine Goldschmidt. Um, will the US listeners be familiar, oh, sorry, US listeners, <laughs> the US viewers, um, be familiar with Lenny Henry, do you think? Um, I not possibly not as a comedian. Um, for those that don't know, um, so he's Lenny Henry really sort of started to come into prominence in the in the late nineteen seventies in light entertainment shows before becoming a fully fledged um, comedian. And he had his own show, as I said, the Lenny Henry Show, which was popular in the eighties into the nineties. So a lot of people are familiar with him as a as a as a comedian. Um, but he he left that quite some time ago and has, has been a straight actor for for many years and has has always put in some very good performances and i mean each to their own i happen to think he's a much better actor than he is a comedian personally. yes um, although um i almost wanted a funny lenny henry a young... <laughs> it's a shame we didn't get that in the 80s or the 70s <laughs> um but i do love him in this yeah um yeah, oh yeah, he was fantastic in this. I was yeah. just, I was just going to mention. What's your um? Where do you identify Lenny Henry in your mind? Um, is coming from because we were born in the late eighties, group of the nineties. Um, where do you know him from as a child? It was actually from the Lenny Henry show because uh, it, it it always was it, my memory of it was it was always a big deal, uh, because it was popular, and whenever there was a a new Lenny Henry show. It was always heavily advertised on the BBC and I remember always watching it and it was always all right. My my memory, sort of my view of it was that there would always be one funny sketch. You didn't know where it was going to be. It could be at the beginning of the show, could be the end, could be in the middle. There'd be one sketch which was just perfect and generally funny and then the rest of it would be sort of like a bit hit and miss. Um, mm-hmm. But I always had him as um, in my head as a comedian yeah. some american viewers may be familiar with this work i, I suspect it may be more to do with uh, uh with the straight acting um with some of the the dramas that he's been in he was married to uh, dawn french for many years which uh, which did have the joke the fu- the only funny thing lenny henry's been in is dawn french because she's also a comedian um whether you find that colorful joke funny or not i'll leave that one up to you but anyway i have a very first a very straight, very odd first experience of him. Um, my brother had this VHS film which came out in '91, um, I think, and it was called True Identity, okay. starring Lenny Henry. And in it, um, he disguises himself as a white man and right. joins the mob, but then is recruited by the mob to kill himself, his regular self. It's very strange. All right, <laughs> okay. That that sounds like it might be worth digging out. But he just uh, he just he's just like putting loads of makeup on him, and he's like this questionably convincing white man. <laughs> and there's these funny scenes where like I watched the trailer earlier, and um, there's just little bits where like he's in a urinal, and the guy next to him looks down, and he's like double tasting what? And then there's a scene where he's like he takes his shoes off, and he's got black feet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. What's this called? Um, 
It's called True Identity. <laughs> True Identity. Right, I'm going to make a note of that. I'm going to say, I've got, I need to watch that. I think it was a major flop. So it was his big break into, into cinema, which which um, was also his last, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not aware of um, uh, appearing in other uh, cinematic films. So uh, true. True identity. Jeez. Uh, Are you looking it up now? <laughs> no, no. I'm just writing it down. So it's just because I need to. Uh, one for the I, watch list. <laughs> one for the watch list. I need to watch that. It's just so uh, that sounds well and truly epic. Uh, <laughs> brilliant. So onto the main discussion now. This was a hard one to prepare for because. For us, this is the 1st of January. We've just watched the episode. So not much time to prepare. Where shall we, where shall we begin? The start of the episode? Yep, start at the beginning. Start at the beginning, yep. yep. <laughs> we have Yasmin, Graham and Ryan. They've returned to their normal lives. And we'd wondered about this originally. We thought, what's happened with Yasmin's career? She's just packed up and left. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out they go back and they have an excuse for the lifestyle, don't they? It's been addressed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I also think it works. I also think it it works in another way because other than uh, Resolution, which was the New Year special last year, we haven't had any Doctor Who for for, for a year. It, it's 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 been a long time. Um, so I think we were all looking forward to this episode. And um, because there's been that much of a gap, not only uh, does it serve as as a reminder to us, but I also think it allows general viewers to to come in and watch it, and it's it works as a, a sort of a, a very quick introduction, um, or a reintroduction, as it were, to, to all these characters. So if you if you hadn't watched the previous series of Doctor Who because you're not a fan and you're watching it for the first time, it, it 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 functions in that in that regard as well as reintroducing all these characters. Yes, very, was right there. Yeah, in a, in a very quick. Um, useful way i suppose it's it's handled very quickly but um it's you know fine that makes a lot of sense because if we just had them being shot at on some adventure and then they just get on with it um new viewers would think well who are these people where are they from (laughs) so yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah (laughs) this episode opposed to the last series has a lot more kind of doctor who substance to it doesn't it um the previous series, you were looking for these tangible links to everything that came before, but now it feels like the Chibnall era has been—he's bringing it back into the fold in the in the main um, the main Doctor Who arc, isn't he? With I'm jumping ahead here, but with O, of course. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get on to that. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> listeners and are very keen to, to hear our reactions to that. I'm interested to talk about it, but yes, you're right. And he does seem to be hitting the ground running from the off because, as you say, we're jumping ahead. But one, we have a returning villain, for one thing. But uh, not only that, not just into, before, well before we get to that, there's a, there's a sense of scale and scope and just this confidence uh, from the moment uh, Spyfall starts. So... Um, I mean, it makes sense narratively because the threat, as it is established, is a global threat. But we're mm. in these different geographical locations uh, in very quick succession. You know, we have a, a sniper. Um, oh, I've forgotten which country in Africa now. Um, but, but we have a sniper and then she's attacked um, by some strange creature. Uh, we have 
um, a character in Moscow who's on the run. I love the font. You know, that, that big, bold yes. font that they, that they use to, to say, you know, where, where they are. Because it reminded me of two things. It reminded me of the font that they used in Series 12, Tom Baker's first season in the title sequence. But it also reminded me of um, the font they used in the Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, when Moscow pings up. Because um, it could remind me of that. But I just like the style in general, and I thought I thought, I thought it was quite uh, nicely done. So anyway, there's this... Uh, so you've got these different geographical locations geographical locations so that you know you got this sense of scale with the story and the 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 way that these were shot and looked uh because i made a point of saying that the cinematographer uh, was Catherine goldschmidt and she has done a this is her first time working on doctor who as far as i'm aware and she i mean she's a well-established cinematographer of course she's had a long career fantastic job um this this entire episode just looks beautiful Uh, you know every shot looks great anyway um so there's that confidence and then when so when all that's established this mystery and then we have our qu- quick reintroductions to the main cast the main characters we're then quickly thrown into the story so everyone's uh, together again the doctor the fam so sorry um you're not like the fam no i, I don't I, I i didn't really i don't think i minded it too much in uh the last season but uh for some reason it bothered me this time i find it a little bit irritating but anyway we have the fam back and then we're, st- we're straight in uh, straight into the action because you know we quickly established that they they're on their way to mi6 and then al- already there's this major threat mm-hmm. their lives are in danger do you want to talk about that bit Yes, they're being rounded up by the um, the men in black. <laughs> yeah. Um, kidnapped. Um, the doctor kind of goes along with it. Um, surely she doesn't feel overpowered or intimidated by a couple of men in cars, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, she she just kind of goes along the fact with the fact that they're being kidnapped. Um, do you think she's um confident that they're going to be fine anyway? I think so because. Mm. Because even though that they've sort of like been kidnapped, it's sort of like in inverted commas, really, because clearly they are wanted. Um, you know, they're, they're being taken somewhere. Their lives aren't obviously immediately in threat to the people who are requesting them. So, this, you know, she seems quite co- uh, confident and comfortable. Because um, when she, see, you know, when she turns to to see um, her friends. And I think we're under the impression that maybe they haven't seen each other for for a while, so it's not just us, the audience. Uh, um, you know, the first thing is, you know, is everything all right? What have you been up to? And then she has to think, oh, apart from being kidnapped, she, uh, it's her friends who seem to be the more concerned about what's going on rather than herself. I do love the whole um, the whole incident on the road <laughs> and the sat nav that killed the guy. Yes, yeah. It's almost a bit Atmos, but more sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. But yeah, there is that thing that sort of Satnav turning on you. Well, it's the entire car, really. Yeah. Uh, and that whole thing of the Satnav just going, <laughs> die, die, die. Um, in five seconds, you will die. Um, I thought all that was uh, handled uh, really rather well. And because um, it, it, this is another thing about the episode, I found I found the whole episode quite tense, um, and I was gripped from from pretty much from beginning to end and it's it's really from this point on i don't think the the atmosphere lets up um 
And this whole thing, what earth, you know, what on earth is going on? And this whole thing to do with the car thought was, uh, was quite quite nicely handled. Yeah, it did have this um, constant energy to it. Um, it was exciting, and I had a, a feeling there was going to be a reveal. Not the reveal we had. Mm. I thought maybe um, they might reveal a certain enemy. Not specifically the Daleks or the Cybermen or something, but um, I thought there was going to be some something we can relate to that's going to be a bit of a shocker. I had this kind of um, anticipation throughout the whole episode as well. Oh, right, okay. Um, see, I didn't. I, I knew that the um, because of um, the the trailer that we had uh, released a, a little while back, uh, we know that the Cybermen were coming back. Yeah. Um, so there was that question of, is this going to be the episode that reveals it's a Cyberman? But then, you know, as the, as the episode goes on, I think that's it's clearly not yeah. a Cyberman. This is a if new... these entities were the Cybermen, we've kind of had that before with the ghosts, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I thought, well, clearly it's not. And there's, there's, there's a bit more of a threat going on. So I didn't think it was the Cyberman. So I just thought it was going to be a, uh, a strong, bold, exciting two-part adventure opening up the series um so i wasn't expecting any i wasn't expecting any major reveal at all no um so perhaps you you're a bit more on the ball than i am with that one um so i was just i was just going along for the ride um just expecting that the the aliens you know it's, it's a good idea it's creepy and let's see what they're about yeah um they definitely felt like quite a threat didn't they they, were, they felt powerful, they felt dangerous, they had a very sinister voice, and the Doctor was a little bit out of her depth, and possibly a bit, a bit out of... She didn't have the control that she usually would have, or the confidence. Well, no, because this, because, because everyone is completely clueless to what's going on. So they, so they arrive in MI6, uh, we have the wonderful Stephen Fry uh, playing C, uh, which was an absolute delight, and he plays the part well. Um, I was quite surprised... Um, Actually, this seems to be the last he'll be in the show because he gets he gets killed. Um, Unless he's the minister of chance. No, and <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, maybe. But, Although um, um, he just regenerates into who plays the minister of chance now in the spin-offs. Oh, no idea. When we were listening to McCoy on stage once, remember he was saying he he got a copy of the one he was in. He was like, I couldn't make head nor tail of it. <laughs> And he had it. He said he had it on shuffle. <laughs> oh right, yes, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, um, I remember. I've forgotten what the movie was, but I remember the the movie critic um, Mark Kermode. He was talking about a movie he'd seen, and um, all the other critics uh, were just going, "This movie makes no sense." And he was going on about, uh, you know, they didn't understand. This was a new, you know, it was it was a new, different type of story structure. Um, it was, you know, it really, really, and actually, what happened because they were at the movie premiere, and what happened was they they, they got the they showed the film in the wrong order. They got the reels the wrong way God. around. Yeah, so you went. I, I, I said I learned a lot from that. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I'm sure I remember what movie it was, but anyway. Um, so they're at MI6, and it's this whole thing that alien these aliens um, they kill you, but in in, in a way we haven't seen in the show before, which is they completely rewrite the victim's DNA. Yes. Um, that also gives us something else to be concerned about later on. We know that it changes the DNA and replaces them or, or brings them back. Um, but now that Yasmin has been taken away and returned, 
there's a possibility she could be a sleeper agent, couldn't she? Yeah, there is that. There is that possibility, um, and especially because when they're investigating Daniel Barton, because um, so we we have this realization that the aliens can rewrite DNA, and we have, and then we cut to Epsi giving them all these gadgets, you know, um, cufflinks that fire rockets and all that. Sort I of hope thing. they get used in the next episode. The laser <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Just that they really need to be used. If not, that's going to be a bit of a disappointment. But that was quite a nice, fun scene. Um, yeah. That was really quite delightful. Um, obviously, harking back to the, the scenes between Bond and Q and the sort of, I don't know, the, the, the classic uh, James Bond movies, if you like. Uh, that that was quite good fun. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then you're sort of taken back a bit because um, then see Stephen Fry, he's shot, he's killed. The aliens come back in. And then there's this whole thing about it also seems to it also manages to i know that this this was in the trailer uh for the series but it was still um quite a disturbing moment in the story because the sanctity of the tardis um is completely gone because these aliens whatever they are can potentially get into the tardis um so the the, the managed to stop that just by dematerializing but then they split off uh, and then you have um, Yaz and Ryan. Yeah, yes, thank you. Uh, then we have Yaz and Ryan in, uh, investigating Daniel Barton, and turns out he is he has seven percent alien DNA. You know that that's interesting. You know what what's going on there? There's a constant mystery and threat throughout the story, which um, which I thought was really rather good. It is a little bit irritating as well because I think it could be argued that the aliens who are um they are essentially invisible they can they can go through any form of matter um and while and whilst they're doing so they they take on the form of the matter that they've gone in so if they've gone through stone they look like stone if they walk through a wall they look like the wall that they've walked into that scene when they're in uh, i think it's the outbacks of australia where they're triggering off the alarm system with all the lights then they look like these light glowing figures uh, which I thought was really rather good. So the, it, I think it's a really good idea. I think it's quite creepy and the threat is sustained throughout. But um, nothing about them is really explained, is it? So yeah, I think they're uh, I think they're a good idea. I th- and that sense of mystery is still um, is still there. I think what that means though is that when it comes to episode two, it's uh, a lot of expectations going to be put on that because I mean there are a number of things. That haven't been revealed in this. That have been revealed in this episode, which makes um, our expectations for part two even higher. Um, but the fact that no tantalizing information, clue drops, etc., have been dropped about these aliens, um, I think that would have been quite nice. You know, so may you know just maybe a few little nuggets, so we could perhaps draw our own conclusions. So when when everything is revealed in part two. Um, then we can, you know, those those clues can pay off, and then see how you know that sort of viewer engagement of saying, you know, um, was I close to putting the pieces together, or how far off was I, you know, that sort of thing. Because um, if you look at previous shows, two parters like uh, the Empty Child or Silence in the Library, I think uh, the villains in those stories, you know, or or the threat, whatever it was. There was there was enough information put in 
in in the first half that allowed that engagement and the payoff. So um, we shall see in episode two what these aliens actually are. I just hope, because as I said, they are a good idea. They are creepy. The threat was sustained throughout this episode, but I think it would have been quite nice had a little bit been revealed about them. Maybe, uh, but the threat of the unknown, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. So I'm probably I'm probably massively nitpicking because on the whole I do th- I do think they they worked quite well. Um, I just think that whatever is revealed about them in episode two, um, let let's ho- let's hope the that that sense of mystery and uh, is uh, is is worth it. We yeah, see. and let's hope the threat keeps going because um, just look back at the silence they were introduced. Um, were intrigued by them and then their explanation was kind of sidelined that they were just operatives of the order of the silence yeah it could be something that's explained a lot further down the line not specifically next week yeah true because good good drama is compelling when you you, um, it's progressively um, explained yeah that's actually a good point. Uh, you never know. It might be the case that these aliens are a threat or pop up later on. Um, so yeah, that's actually a good point. Uh, should just have to wait and see. But as it is, yeah, I, I do like them, and they were a good threat, um, and they seem to be uh, invincible, really, because there's nowhere that they cannot go. Um, you know, they almost break into the Doctor's TARDIS, and later on, the fact that they managed to breach... I, I, I appreciate that I'm leaping ahead a bit here. We'll, we'll take it back a bit. But uh, the fact that they are able to breach um, that the the, uh, the bungalow in Australia and then later on when it's revealed what that actually is, uh, then, of course, um, they can... These aliens can enter a TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, oh, the bungalow in the sky... You know, you know what happened. Um, as soon as I saw the bungalow, I knew what it was. Oh, did you? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll not jump ahead just yet. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's quite threat is quite good. And then later on, because uh, Yaz and, and Ryan are investi- uh, are investigating, and then um, Yaz is then transported to this mysterious place. And I thought, um, because because for a moment it, it appears that maybe Yasmin has actually been killed. Yes. Um, and obviously Ryan is, is completely freaked out. And the the acting from uh, from him and uh, and from Mandip are is just really really good. Um, you could you know you can see Ryan's really um, freaked out and uh, and feels completely helpless. Yeah, and Yasmin hasn't got a clue what's going on, and you know she's trying to be strong, and she, and she is, um, but this, you know, she's just on the verge of tears, and it's, it was just a really, really uh, incredible moment, um, and that, and when she is um, transported, so she's back with the doctor, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's still visibly shaking, uh, as uh, you know, as you would be. Uh, so the, you know these events are obviously going to have an impact, and the relationship between Yasmin and Ryan, which, um, despite Yasmin's uh, lack of screen presence in the previous season through really not getting a fair fair share of the writing, 
there was from the very beginning uh, quite a good uh, friendship uh, between Ryan and Yasmin. Yeah, and, it's, I'm not sure how to interpret that scene because initially Ryan says to Yasmin, with regards to being killed, he says, I'll, n- I'll never let that happen to you. Yeah. And um, Yasmin's kind of crying, almost holding back tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't sure if that was because of um, what Ryan said or if it was still because she was thinking about the fact that she thought she died. It's probably or, may, all or maybe a bit, a bit of both, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably all those things, yeah. But it was it was a great scene. It was very well written and I think uh, uh, incredibly well acted. Yeah. Um, so so I, I like that scene an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, but as you said before, sorry, I keep interrupting. But as you said before, there, there is that possibility that... Um, because there is this thing of well, what is what is it with these aliens and rewriting DNA and so on? Is is this really Yasmin, mm-hmm. um, or is it some sort of um, copy of Yasmin, or is there something else going on we can't fully trust? You know, th- this there is that mystery there. It depends how you look at the Doctor's interpretation because at MI six we had this operative that had been replaced that was lying on the table. And her DNA had been changed completely. Mm-hmm. The doctor was adamant that this is not the person you think it is. This person's gone. If that's the case with Yasmin, could she be um, returned to the way she was? Or is the real her somewhere else? Or is the real her dead? I wonder. Yeah. I mean, it may be the case that we're, we're looking too much into this and it could be yeah. the case that Yasmin is just Yasmin. Um, she was simply teleported just like the Doctor was. Yeah, yeah. But again, the, there is that sort of question mark so so, so we uh, we shall see. Yeah. If she ha- if the real Yasmin is somewhere else, we've kind of had this situation before with Amy, haven't we? Yes, when yeah, When she yeah, was, yeah, she was the, the wax duplicate. The mm-hmm. doppelganger. Yeah. I was a bit curious um, at the bungalow when O raised the force field I know he's got the capability of um, using all this tech and stuff, but it, it, what, it did seem quite advanced, didn't it? It did, but I think this was—I think this was quite well done. So there was that thing of going, well, this technology is incredibly advanced, but you know, he—he he has been described as being the tech expert. He knows about all this this sort of thing. So it wasn't in terms of in terms of the type of show that the that Doctor Who is and the character we were led led to believe he was uh it didn't seem to be completely out of character it did you know to say oh well he's just this absolutely brilliant technical person uh he's able you know but of course when we later find out about him (laughs) it is that sort of thing of going but of course it was far too advanced um you know absolutely ridiculous had it been unit or torchwood who both had a name drop earlier by the way yes um it wouldn't have been outside the realm of possibility but yeah, with that... it being MI6, who is questioning the possibility of aliens? Yeah, it, um, yeah. The tech the... seemed a bit. Um, but a having bit... said that, though, but the but this character, I mean, he was he was fired by C for apparently believing in aliens and creating all this information and everything. So everything had been everything had been established for us to take this at face value. But then, of course, we then go back and look when when oh is revealed to, I don't know why we're pussyfooting around because we're warned about spoilers when, I know. O, when <laughs> o is revealed to be the master <gasps> oh, 
dun, dun, dun. Um, it, it, uh, it all makes sense. And I actually think Chris Chibnall has done a good job with that because, you know, you know, at face value, we accept it. Don't question it. It's fine. But then later on, when it, when O is revealed to be the master with all this, Tegger goes, well, of course, it makes sense. The master would have, you know, so I thought I thought that was really rather well done. It also proves that Chibnall hasn't drawn a line in the sand completely. He's willing to bring back um, all these archetypal elements from Doctor Who. The eternal struggle with the Doctor and the Master. Mm-hmm. Br- bringing back the Daleks. Bringing back the Cybermen. Yeah. It's still... It's it's hopeful that it feels like more of the show we know. Yes, but I'd, I'd still want to balance out with original ideas and original threats and aliens and so yeah. on. Uh, I don't want to go, and I, I suspect Chris Chibnall wouldn't do this anyway, but I don't want it to go down the route of constantly falling back on sort of old tropes, if you like. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Doctor Who does have this rich history and these incredible characters and so on, so it would be foolish not to use them if you can do something good and strong and interesting and just tell a cracking good story. But at the same time, Doctor Who has always had this ability to tell uh, good stories use you know bringing something new constantly it's the reason why the show's lasted this long um it's just about getting that balance right and i think actually with with series 11 personally i think one thing it did do right was at least we had a bit of a gap we had a season barring the new year special resolution uh which brought back the daleks but with the exception of that we had a season which didn't have any returning uh, old villains um and i think even if it is just for one season, I think that did allow the show to a bit of breathing space. That's one thing I did like about series eleven. If you yeah, like. had it had a lot of recurring elements, it could have put people off, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. To, it was because Stephen Moffat's era, as much as we love these elements, it had a lot of. It was very continuity heavy, even yes. more so than the Russell T Davis era, wasn't it? Oh, very much so. And I think actually that that was a bit of a problem. It did feel like the show was becoming really bogged down in its continuity and it, it required you to have knowledge of the classic era in some cases and um, not not so much to understand and get along with the story mm-hmm. but to understand certain plot elements further yeah you did you did need this foreknowledge didn't you uh, yeah you did a bit and, it, and i think it was putting uh, general viewers off so and every now and again you do need a you know a fresher you just you know clear the board and get new, you know get general viewers on board because fans will tune in regardless mm. and the reason why the show has has survived this long is because it constantly reinvents itself and remains relevant yeah so when yasmin's transported to this other place mm-hmm. um i love the kind of i was going to say architecture but it looks very organic doesn't it like roots yeah, because uh, originally you think, well, maybe these are some sort of trees, but then it was—is uh, it some sort of brain? Um, because like a synaptic kind of thing yes. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was Possibly, my sort of yeah. my thoughts of it, especially because it seems to be that what wherever that is, that is closely linked to the thought processes and actions of the aliens. So whenever they're uh, building up energy to do something it affects this place and it did seem to have that synaptic um with all the electricity flowing the way that it did uh building up all that energy to transport 
uh, Yaz to where the Doctor is in Australia. Um, and at the same time, release the alien to wherever. So wherever that location is, seems to be closely linked to the to the actions and the thought processes of um, to the aliens. It yeah. seems to be that they, they need to build up energy in that place in order to do whatever it is that they do. Yeah. Um, now that you mention it with with life that comes from outside the universe and um, we've had other examples of that like it takes you away from the pocket universe where the frog which is we do have different interpretations in the show of like um a consciousness we've had the mind robber also had a mm-hmm. there was a consciousness there we've had um the web planet possibly there was one of the that relates to um life from before the universe doesn't it the eternals and things like that mm-hmm. and then there's the, and an enlightenment the peter davison yes. story you know you've got the eternals there and that also links through to um the the trickster in the sarah jane adventures mm-hmm. yeah so if it is um if it is more like a mind kind of it's consistent with other kind of themes we've had yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you mentioned the mind rob i wonder if this will be chris Chibnall's uh, attempt of going the master in that story is the master and this is how it started yes what was it that the master said on the plane this isn't what he said but he said something along the lines of um, nothing is what it seems or something like that oh, I, said, uh, I think he said everything, everything, everything you know you, is wrong everything that you think you know is wrong it was yeah something yeah. along those lines yeah we've got another bit of mystery about multiple earths mm-hmm. it doesn't allude to anything further no but I mean I, I mean you probably thought the same thing as that I did, is that th- th- this is somehow going to be multidimensional. Possibly. Um, yeah, we just, <laughs> we just don't know. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, so yeah, there's all this mystery that that, that, that location was uh, very simply but very effectively done. Uh, and we established that when you are transported to that location, uh, you are completely alone. There's no yes. one else. And it just seems to go on and on and on. Um, so it is relief for us, the, the viewers, but as well as the character Yaz when, when she is out of that. Um, then the, again, there's this nice change of pace when they, they go to Barton's uh, birthday party. Uh, it's the the whole gang there um, trying to do further investigation. But it seems to be just have a bit more fun and using the sort of the Bond tropes, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're gambling. Um, uh Graham and Ryan, they're playing roulette and they seem to win and that's quite good fun. Um, the Doctor's playing blackjack and then thinks she's playing snap. <laughs> which I thought was I good. love that, yeah. She yeah, seems thought... so confident. I thought, wow, she really knows what she's doing. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, she's going card. <laughs> card, card. It's like, this has to... <laughs> just has to add on to 21. It's like, these must be really low cards. But I like that. I thought it was good. There is one bit about this, this part of the story which I wasn't keen on, which I thought was naff. Do you know what it was? No. <laughs> you know, when she's given her name to enter the party, goes, Doctor, the Doctor. So, I really uh, like that. Oh, uh, I thought it was a bit naff. But, you know, each to their own. It didn't didn't bother me too much, but I thought, hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. It doesn't ruin the, the episode completely. Only for um, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like everyone else is going, Liam, it was funny, it was funny. What, what's yeah. your problem? I just thought it was a bit naff. It's not um, like the infamous Wi-Fi scene, is it? Oh no! It doesn't bother, it doesn't bother anything as bad as the Wi-Fi scene. No. So, um, but if I did have to make equivalent, I would go 
that bit was the Wi-Fi scene of this episode. No. It's not as bad, but, you know. Anyway, um, then we have a bike car chase scene. Yeah, that's great. Great location. Uh, I thought... I thought it. I thought it was good. It was good fun, um, but I thought it lacked the pace and editing it needed to really sell the moment. I thought it could have been a bit more tighter. Yeah. Um, but although something about a man with a gun seems more dangerous than an alien with a laser. Oh no! I completely it, it, agree with. I, d- I, I don't know. Yeah. You. I think because it's it's much more real. It's some, yeah. It's a threat that we recognise in the real life. You know, we know how guns work. I we think we've how... mentioned this before on the podcast, but we can relate to how dangerous humans can be mm-hmm. so possibly um in a story it could make them feel like more of a threat no don't get me wrong i thought that the the threat was there and uh you know seeing lenny henry um hanging out the hanging the back of a, a limo um shooting at everyone it was just you know it uh, the threat was effective i'm just going i thought the, the bike car chase was fine but I think if there was one bit of the episode, personally for me, that could have been a bit better just by having a bit more pacing and editing just to heighten the action. I just thought it was that moment, but it still works. It's still good. Um, and of course, this leads to the plane scene. Yeah. I was starting to worry that O might die because I was really kind of warming to him. Well, for yeah, because I thought the, the timing of the reveal, I mean, we're, we're coming to the end of the episode, but um, I really, I really liked... Um, his character, and I've seen—I mean, we've we've seen um, we've seen him play Warris Hussein in uh, Adventure in Time and Space, but I've seen him in yes. other things as well. And he's a very good actor, um, so it was it was quite nice to, to see him. And I love the part he played. And I was just like, oh, you know, I hope nothing happens to him. I, I love having around. He's just this this great character. So when it's then revealed that, um, I mean, you said you you cottoned onto it straight away. Well, not specifically um, the master initially, but um, well, it, well, maybe it was starting to piece together. But when I saw um, when I saw the cabin outside the window, mm-hmm. it, it it almost reminded me of um, love it or hate it, but the diner. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now that you mention, I mean, because it didn't cross my mind it could have been a TARDIS. I was just going, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. It was yeah. just. I think it was because uh, the rug was pulled in, uh, from underneath me. We're just going this character who I'd really liked. Uh, it's just like, oh, it was, he's not the person he says he. Oh, he's a villain. Uh, okay. I mean, it was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was really well. Done. I was going to say masterfully done, but it seems like too much of a stinking bad pun. But uh, I thought it was really well done. The uh, the the reveal, the way that his, uh, the way his body and facial expression changes you know um i thought was really really good and then it's and then it very quickly builds up to the reveal that he is the master i just thought that was a fantastic scene just not only in terms of how it was written and directed and so on but really in terms of his performance i just thought it was fantastic yeah and in relation to um well i think it's safe to assume he's the successor to missy uh, possibly, I think this is the thing is what, because don't get me wrong, I, I was absolutely over the moon that the master uh, is back because it's 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 absolutely fantastic character, and we, I liked the way it was revealed, 
uh, it was completely by surprise. And it just because we've in, in previous podcasts we talked about how um, we've always thought that there are certain things within the story which the BBC could have held back on. You know, when John Sim came back um, towards the end of my, uh, Peter Capaldi's time as the Doctor, I always oh, yes. said that. I felt the BBC could have held that back as a surprise, but they revealed it. This just goes to show that there are certain things that the BBC could have done in the past to stop spoilers coming out. Yes. And and that it was a, a deliberate choice from the... Um, from must have been the publicity department. Um, because I had absolutely no idea that the master was, was coming back. I had absolutely no idea it was going to be... So it was just... So that was a really, really nice surprise. I loved it. I still think it has repeat value. Uh, that scene and his, and we've got an absolutely fantastic actor playing the part. Oh yes. Um, but the thing with Missy, it's sort of um, whether he's a direct successor, which seems to be the case. It seems a bit of a shame that the character development of that version of the Master is now completely gone. Yes, totally. But um, and the, the, of course, the personality could change from from one incarnation to the next. Yes. Um, just because one of them changes the the fundamentals mm-hmm. doesn't mean it could revert back. You know, in the next the next incarnation. Oh no, no, I, t- I totally agree with that. Mm. I just think that I feel that um, maybe some fans will feel that bringing the master back this soon. Following that character progression is uh, that that Missy had is m- maybe uh, a mistake, yeah. uh, especially given that this interpretation of the Master. For, I mean, keeping in mind we've only it's it's only in this small scene, um, but c- could arguably be compared to John Sim. Yes, yeah. Um, so it remains to be seen what. What new will he bring to the character? What yeah. new dynamics? Um, especially have... given the rich history that he's got, even with mm-hmm. the new era with Missy. Yeah, but it but it is really interesting. And but I think what's uh, what's really sells it is the fact that you know we we have got um, we've got a brilliant actor playing the part, and that whole scene because we um, we see how he's incredibly, you know, he is intelligent. He he can play this long game we you know it brought back the the tissue compression eliminator i love the matchbox yeah the matchbox was great and then how he just discards it yeah um you know just there was there was a lot of small things within that scene which says an awful lot about this version of the master he is there's one uh there's one line of dialogue where he's describing the bomb and he says that it's got a short fuse a short fuse which he can relate to so I don't know whether that says that maybe this this version of the master is going to be you know completely manic, yes. and be someone on a short fuse. He because when the, the doctor's trying to disarm the uh, the bomb with a sonic screwdriver, he is absolutely furious that um, the doctor didn't consider he would make it sonic screwdriver proof. Yeah, deadlock. Uh, Deadlocks always defeat the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know he's absolutely fu- you know because it seems to. Be, he likes this battle, bat, battle of wills. That's what, you know what this master seems to be about, and he was absolutely furious uh, with the doctor at that point, which I thought was interesting. So you got the you got a real 
you've got a bit of a, a tantalizing glimpse of what this master is going to be like. I know that I, I said that you could maybe compare him to John Sims' version of the master a bit, but don't get me wrong, I still think it's going to be, um, you know, it's uh, its own version in terms of Duan's performance and the way it is written. Yeah, um, I do hope it's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a fantastic reveal. I was absolutely. <laughs> absolutely buzzing and that was the thing because because you watched the episode just after i did and and i didn't want to say too much because even because i told you keep away from social media yeah but yeah i mean what was what was your reaction i was happy i was in um especially that we've warmed to this character Mm -hmm. um and we know the master so well we had a scene where O went into the tardis and we saw his reaction and we so we could see the emotion, um, but interestingly enough, there was no one around to witness his emotion. So that felt genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of course, we know the master has an affinity for the Doctor. We do remember is and John Sims' anticipation answering the phone to David Tennant. We do, we we know there's a lot there's a lot of emotion there. Yeah. And um having him step into the TARDIS and and seeing some emotion there. He's not some um, stone-cold, crazy killer psychopath. You know, um, I like that there's a lot of depth there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and humanity, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's going to be a cool thing to explore in a different way than we have before, hopefully. And I did wonder, would they just bring her back another woman? <laughs> but it's good having, now that the Doctor's a woman, bringing a, a male master in... Um, I quite like the man-woman dynamic. Yes, yeah, and I think because you know we had a male doctor and a female master, and yeah, you've, you've reversed that. It, it seems to be the, the right decision. Yeah, uh, as I say, it's uh, it's really exciting to have the master back. Um, as, you know, as, as fans, I think we're always going to have that reaction. Yeah, but the thing that's really got me through—I mean, I thought that reveal was 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 incredible. Um. Because there was no um, there was no foreshadowing of it. There was no um, expectation of it. So, so so that was that was a delight. Um, but it's the fact that you know it's the fact that we've got Dewan. He's a fantastic actor, and they, I think they've really really uh, excelled themselves with the casting. Yeah, uh, that's that that's what um, the way that he transformed in that scene. Um, and he was sort of like chewing the scenery at the end of it, but in a good way. It yeah. was it, it was great to watch. Um, so I, I'm look I'm very much looking forward to the episode two. I would be anyway. Um, had had the episode um, ended where uh, Lenny Henry's character has somehow mysteriously disappeared. Now there's a bomb and where's he gone? Was he real? I don't understand. <laughs> I sh- no, I think he's just being transported. Maybe. Um, and, or, 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 or compressed. Uh, or um, he is. Um, or he was on. He was on another plane. <laughs> just jumped on the wrong one. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Um, had it just uh, sort of like went on like that, I think it would have been sort of like fun. You could, it was a bit functionally cliffhanger, um, but it's fine. I'd still be looking forward to it. But the fact. You know, the, the master was brought back. He is clearly a threat. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. And the doctor is now transported 
to that mysterious place with obviously all her uh, friends seemingly going to crash to their deaths so the, it was a very very effective cliffhanger it's like everything's yeah. everything that could possibly happening is going on yeah um and of course we had um we had a female master before we had a female doctor mm-hmm. yeah and now we have we'll revert back to a male master but he's not white and which is which is a great thing. It's it's something I love, and it's almost a step ahead of everything I want the doctor to be. Um, and it, and, and there's always a question in my mind: How will they go forward with the next doctor? Whatever they do, obviously, there'll be a lot of criticism. You know, people um, either you're being too politically correct, or you're being not brave enough. <laughs> there's always going to be. Um, I think really at the end of the day, when it comes to this, I think uh, I think. Uh, a vast majority of us would agree that it's good to have more racial diversity uh, in popular culture. Yeah. Regardless of what that is, if it's through literature, music, films, television, and right across the board, if that's through, um, you know, through writers, directors, uh, well, not just racial, but gender diversity, you know, you've got the whole thing. Um, but you want it to be from the right approach. I think where people, I mean, you'll, as you said, You'll get people who will bitch and moan about political correctness gone mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are things to criticise in relation to political correctness. Fine. But in terms of what we in terms of what we are talking about, if it's from if it as long as it's from a place of uh it's not a tick box exercise. You know, we've we've got someone who's non Caucasian playing the master because racial diversity quotas then that's ridiculous i'm not saying that that's what they've done here i'm just saying that no because that's not the impression i've got they've brought a brilliant actor in they've brought a brilliant actor to play the part but i mean my my reaction to it when when he was revealed to be the master wasn't my initial i mean admittedly it did come a bit later on i got oh it's interesting it's a it's a an an asian actor but but i suppose that I i think that's the right reaction to have uh, because what you are responding to is the drama, is the story, is the acting. And I think that that's the right approach to have. And I think that's the approach that everyone needs to, to have and those who are making the drama. So, yeah, you do need... I mean, because in our previous podcast we did mention, because Lenny Henry has made some very interesting comments in relation to what we're seeing, because he has said... Uh, in, having been interviewed and publicising this episode because he guest stars in it he said and we disagreed with him but he said that he felt that the show wouldn't he put it in quite quite interesting terms but he basically was saying that he feels that the show would never cast a non-white actor in the role of the doctor and that but he also went on to say that the show has uh, diversity issues you can say and i think there's there's a good argument for this that having in popular culture um, characters who are clearly on the side of good, who are clearly uh, heroic, I think who are non-Caucasian is very you know rare. When Black Panther was released a few you know a few years ago, it was seen as you know finally we've got a hero who's who is the main hero of the movie who is black. When, you know, so, so obviously the, there's something that needs to be looked there that's that needs to be addressed. But in terms of Doctor Who, certainly since it's came back in 2005, you only have to see the episodes. I think um, there has been greater diversity and it is getting better. Now, there could be an argument, fine, 
of saying that uh, we now need a non-Caucasian actor to play the role of the Doctor. I can see that argument, but then it sort of goes in that thing as of well of going, you want it to be a natural progression. You don't want someone cast just because it was ticking a box. Uh, you just want a, you know, you want a good actor to play the part. The, there's also a, a, you could argue about this, but it, maybe if ticking the box doesn't seem like the morally right thing to do, it could be beneficial, obviously for. Um, for a generation that's watching it because with um female-led superheroes for an example and i've got two young daughters and you could argue that um the way some of these movies um some of the way these movies are marketed and made um that they could be kind of ticking the box you know let's let's balance things out make more female-led superhero films and the, the way that these characters are portrayed um the way my daughter's my oldest daughter interprets these movies she, she thinks it's great that there's more um more female-led movies. Whether it's um, done out of political correctness or not, it can be beneficial for a younger generation, can't it? No, no, that's fine. I can see where you're coming from, but I think... Um, well, sort of one example that I use in relation to this, so, for example, I'm not talk, I'm not, I'm not mentioning this because of uh, I'm aligned with a, partic- polit- a particular political party and I'm not talking about policies or whatever. Um but I do find it interesting that the Labour Party, who have who have said, look, that there is a problem with female representation in terms of politics. They have um, they have elections, which are just uh, clearly it's it's just an all female list candidature, uh, and they feel that that's the, you know that is the way to to overcome that particular issue. But what I find interesting that because they have had this policy in place for quite a while, but they at the time of recording, uh, which is the first of January twenty twenty, they have not had uh, a permanent female leader of the Labour Party. The Conservative Party, who who do not have that policy, have never had that policy, uh, have given us two female prime ministers. So I find it, I find it interesting that that is the case, given that you know one one party, the Labour Party, of saying, look, we are aware of this problem when we we have put things in place to to uh, sort this issue out, haven't 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 even had a female political leader of their party, whereas the Conservative Party have. And that in in regards to the Conservative Party, that was just incidental, you know, in in case of the um, these women's strengths. Yes. Uh, especially, I would say more to war, more with Theresa May because I think you know, given the time when Margaret Thatcher became leader of the Conservative Party, she had more of a fight on her hands. But anyway, but yeah, by the by, um, yeah, that largely happened just as part of the course. And so anyway, it's a bit so it is it is a bit of a tricky one because there is because there are certain things which I think you know political correctness if you like, has maybe um, progressed things in the right direction. But there are other things where I think um, it has become a, a sign of virtue signalling and it doesn't really get anything done. Um, so it is a bit of a tricky one. But anyway. Well, that sparked something I wasn't expecting. <laughs> We're really hyped up about getting to the big reveal of this episode. <laughs> we got a bit off track. Yeah, we did. So, sorry, folks. I hope I haven't bored, bored you all. So uh, it was hard to prepare questions for this episode. I, I was writing down like generic things like what was the worst part of the episode? What was the best part of the episode? 
<laughs> but is there anything that stands yeah. out as the worst and best? Obviously, the worst would be the name's Doctor, the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, I thought that was a bit. Uh, a, it doesn't really work. That's the thing. I could obviously it's 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 a reference to Bond, but yeah, I just thought it was a bit naff and <laughs> didn't do it for me. So yeah, I would say that was probably um, the worst uh, part of the episode for me. In terms of the best, it'd be interesting to uh, to go back and rewatch this, and I'll be more than happy to at some point because at the it totally needs a revisit, doesn't it? Yeah, because at the moment, I think uh, my favorite moment is the reveal of the master. I just love that. Um, whether that you know, when I come back to it after some times passed, knowing that oh, is the master, and things have calmed down a bit, w- will I still regard that as the best bit, or will it be well actually? You know, this other moment, which is a bit more quiet, is actually quite strong or whatever. So, but at the moment, uh, I'd say that's that's my favourite. How about you? I agree with the best bit. The worst bit, there's nothing that comes to mind. One thing I think which was uh, which was really nice was at the end the fact that the episode is dedicated to Terran Sticks, uh, dedicated to the memory of the masterful Terran Sticks, and I thought that was really nice. You know, because as we know, Terran Sticks sadly passed away last year, and he was. Uh, incredible writer and inspired a lot of people and was uh, in terms of Doctor Who was really uh, integral to its success and he built an awful lot and the fact that he was the core creator of the master along with uh, producer Barry Letts it, it, it also felt it also felt appropriate given that the episode brings back that character he co-created all those years ago it's always nice when you see a dedication attached to a, a decent episode uh, yes <laughs> yeah, because it could always um, go the other way, couldn't it? Yeah, I think that would be. I mean, it, it would be nice that you know that they acknowledged uh, Terran Sticks, but yeah, it would have been. Oh, it yes. would have been shame if this episode was a bit was a duffer. Like fear her. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah, that would have been. That, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. You asked me last week or the week before what my favorite Bond theme. Oh yes. Should we do that now? Yeah, yeah, may as well. Okay, what's yours? Oh, this is the thing. Um, I, there's a part of me that, that says it should be Live and Let Die because I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I love it a bit. It's it's by Paul McCartney and I'm a big fan of the Beatles. Uh, so there's, for really stupid reasons, uh, I'm a bit sad that I've had to bunk down at number two because I love Live and Let Die. I think it's a great scene, uh, theme. I think my favourite's actually Skyfall. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. I feel like... I w- I'd never even considered Skyfall because I don't really like Adele. See, I quite like Adele. I mean, she's not she's not uh, like one of my all-time favorite musicians, but I do quite like her. And I think um, nineteen and twenty-one, I think, are quite good albums. Particularly twenty-one, twenty-five was yeah. a bit, especially with the lead single "Hello," I thought was really bland, uh, which I thought was a bit of a shame. Um, but I think, yeah, funny enough, I've. A lot of people sort of have that reaction of going, I think Skyfall's all right, but there's something about the sound and the drama, and it, it just, uh, I just think it's a great theme, personally. Yeah, I do feel like, I, I do like all of the Daniel Craig themes, and I know a lot of people really, really don't. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think, um, I think the one for Casino Royale and Skyfall, I think are really good. Casino Royale is brilliant. Oh, it's just fantastic. The one for um, Quantum of Solace. Uh, oh, Alicia Keys and someone else. <laughs> uh, or, 
Another Way to Die. Another Way to Die. I hate that song. I hate it. For me, that is the worst Bond theme by far. I can see what they were trying to do, which they were, they were trying to carry on the sort of that hard rock sound from the Casino Royale theme because that had proved successful. Yeah. But I think what Jack White's... Tr- it is Jack White, isn't it? I think so. I was going to say something black. Maybe I was thinking of Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should have got in Jack Black. <laughs> I think they should have. Uh, I think what he tries to do is sort of like carry on that approach, but sort of like deconstruct the sound. But it just sounds awful. And I'm not a massive fan of Alicia Keys, but she is a very talented uh Musician. It's strange. It's like a duet, but they're both fighting for dominance. Yeah, well, the, I, what I don't get is you get Alicia Keys, right? She is a very good piano player. Um, she's she's really rather good. So you get Alicia Keys in to to sing, and all what you give her is these weird sort of like one note sounds, and uh, you get her to play this one key on the piano just repeatedly. Like, why bring her in at all? That you're wasting her talent. And Sam Smith's writing on the wall. How that won an Oscar, I've no idea. I don't get that, but I do like that. And um, I do slightly disagree with um, Another Way to Die because it's a bit of a grower. No, I've I've always hated it. Hated it. (laughs) I have tried to like it and just going, yeah, maybe it was initial reaction because it's unbonded. I don't know, but no, Mm. I just, I really don't like it. Well, I'd, I identify that song with the film, um, and the film was a little bit underwhelming for me, so it's they're on par with each other. <laughs> you see, that's the thing. It's sort of like, to me, Quantum of Solace, I can see why it's not regarded as one of the best Bonds, because it isn't. But at the same time, I don't think it's as bad as its reputation suggests, yeah. and it does not... You can watch it on a Saturday afternoon, and it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it's good. fine. Uh, yeah. But it does not deserve that song. In my view, I just can't stand it. Um, and the writing on the wall, you see, I think the writing on the wall has this fantastic introduction, right? I really like the introduction to that song. Uh, but the thing is, it never goes anywhere. It tries to build up, but it doesn't. It just sort of peters out, doesn't really evolve, and Sam's, it just sounds like he's whining. Mm. <laughs> Don't agree. <laughs> well, you're wrong, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> This was never going to end with anyone agreeing with anything, was it? <laughs> Probably not. But just out of curiosity, what, what's, your, what's your least favourite Bond thing? Least favourite? I'm probably going to go with Skyfall. <laughs> what the hell? Are you just being contrary? <laughs> uh, fair enough. Did you say um, Live and Let Die before? Yes, I like that one, yeah. Right, I see. Um, those thing, kind of things are some of my favourites but I have to go with a song that um, really invokes the right feeling of a James Bond film and for me I was torn between Goldfinger and From Russia With Love they're really good From Russia With Love is my favourite Bond um, maybe I'm mainly just looking at the older ones but I, I really like the um in him uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service theme. Yes, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't have as much scope. It's more of like the same kind of um, theme, just kind of running through. Yeah, I th- 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the theme for that... Is that fair to say? No, no, I think it's it's really good because it is this uh, brilliant, exciting piece of music. But I think it, I think it functions more of uh, rather... It's funny, I think it establishes the tone and the mood of the movie. Uh, rather than perhaps, you know, I think in terms of a good pop song uh, or a good pop tune, I think probably, the, uh, you know, I would consider other ones but the Onomatic Service does have a fantastic uh, theme and you are right it does it does marry up with the movie very very well yeah that is that is good um, we took some online polls on Twitter and I think we did one on Instagram I have to check we asked would people be watching Doctor Who live or on catch up alright oh, okay yeah <laughs> um, on Twitter 59% said live versus 41% on catch-up. Oh, okay. But there's quite a lot of people watching it on catch-up. Um, I were a lot more laid back than we used to about watching things live. I think so, yeah. I'd, yeah, because I used to um, be quite keen to watch Doctor Who on broadcast. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I just kind of abandoned that and watch it whenever it's convenient. <laughs> I also asked... Do you think series twelve will be better than series eleven? Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram, sixty-seven percent said yes. Thought it'd be better. On Twitter, ninety-four percent said yes. I'm not sure if that's out of optimism for the series, or whether or not people are thinking nothing could be worse than eleven. I don't really know. <laughs> and then uh, going off Twitter, so we try to get. Um some responses following the broadcast of the episode oh yes uh, so James McKay says he loved it Greg Campbell said that he felt it was a huge improvement on pretty much every level the only one that hasn't upped their game sadly is Whittaker still cannot enjoy her performance or recognise her as being the Doctor I agree with him in the sense that it is a huge improvement um, but um, it's sort of funny because I really like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor um, so I, I disagree with uh, with Greg there. Having said that, though, um, there are some performance ticks of hers, if I can put it like that, where I can see how people would perhaps find it irritating. The only example I can think of in relation to this episode is, um, you know, when uh, they were just about to die in the car and uh, towards the beginning of the episode and we hear Stephen Fry see talking over the the intercom and the doctor's trying to you know establish what's going on the way that she performs that scene i think's fine but but i mean i'm really nitpicking here but i think i could see why people would perhaps say in that moment she could perhaps have been a bit stronger but you know anyway um so, so I thought that was an interesting response. Simon Ripley just said it was absolutely awesome. He loved the episode. Uh, funny enough, Greg Campbell did respond because I responded to his comment before and basically said to him what I've just said now. Uh, and he he did he did agree with me, but the use of fan was a bit sort of uh, um, skin crawling. But um, oh, so yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, each other. I mean, as I said, it didn't it didn't ruin the episode for me. Um, Doctor Who: The Target World. Um, said thought it was so, thought it was fantastic. Really enjoyed the episode. Uh, th- also thought that splitting up the two companions into two separate groups really worked. Um, and Stephen Fry and Lenny Henry were excellent and loved the master twist. 
Yeah, which, uh, totally agree with that. Um, saying that, I do love when characters go off and we we get these new dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yasmin and Ryan worked really good together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the cabin, Graham's there, and O's like, "Oh, is he just here to state the obvious?" <laughs> I think that I think it was great that Yaz got more uh, got more action in this story because we've always said, and we haven't been the only ones who've said that, is that she has been underwritten in previous stories. So she was much more involved, and it was great. It did seem to be that maybe Graham was sort of pushed to the sideline a bit in this episode. Um, so yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. DW Target Files uh, responded on Twitter as well and said, "A strong season opener and some of the best cinematography we, cinematography we've seen in Doctor Who." Totally agree with you there. Uh, the build up to the reveal seemed a bit rushed compared to the last two times that character was introduced. Perhaps, uh, but given mm-hmm. that, well, actually, because when Missy is introduced, that's sort of tagged on at the uh, the end of an episode. It didn't occur to me till just now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can see how maybe it would seem, perhaps seem rushed. But given that this is a two-part uh, story, and you know things are really kicking in. Um, but uh, DW Target Files also said, great choice of actor for the role, though. We need more scenes with him and Jody soon. Totally agree with that. Yes. In fact, it would be good to go back and compare master reveals, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Maybe that's a good thing see, to talk about next yeah, week, possibly. And see uh, yeah. which one's the most effective. Uh, yeah. Novodo, Novo. Sorry, uh, <laughs> for some reason, it's really reading it off Twitter. It's re- it's a really simple word, but for some reason, I'm struggling uh, saying it. For some, so, so apologies for that. But they say that reveal was jaw hitting the floor stuff. Top notch casting with that hats off and hats off for keeping it under their hats. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, Although they do say up until that point, episode was struggling to hold her attention. To be honest, though, hope part two is better. So okay, um, um, there quite possibly could be a shift in tone next week. We were saying earlier that um, part two will have a different director, and we know from the Stephen Moffat era that we've had we've had two parters. Um, that when we get to the second part, it feels like a completely different episode, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I mean, I can't see. My only concern is if the if if if, it, if they turn out in episode two and go, he's not really the master. Um, yeah. no, but I can't see them doing that. Um, no. But uh, I think I really enjoyed it. In terms of, well, before we do this, because uh, we've just talked about Bond themes before, because um, you also put something up on uh, Twitter about that. Um, we did get one response, which is from Doctor Who: The Target World again, and they say, and I think these are excellent choices, actually. You only live twice or Goldeneye. Ah, I do like Goldeneye. Yeah, they are. They are. They're both great songs. Um. So in terms of a score for Skyfall Part One, sorry, Spyfall Part One. Um, for Skyfall, oh, the the theme was awful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for Doctor Who Spyfall Part One. Oh, um. That's a different matter. That's interesting because I didn't find any bad bad points to it, did I? I wonder, is it a bit of a bad call, giving it a 10 out of 10? Well, if that's one you only, if, if you think it's a perfect episode and that's what you want to give it, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah. Um, I'm not going to mark it down just for the sake of it. I, I'm just going to give it a 10 out of 10 and I'll live with it. <laughs> no, that's good. That's, uh, that's great. Um, 
I rank it slightly lower than that. I give it eight. Eight. Oh, okay. But you know, I still think it's a damn good episode. Um, any other negatives apart from the Doctor? No, as I say, I think that, that... You've marked it down two points because of that no, one I, scene. No, I haven't marked it down two points for that scene. I just think... Um, <laughs> there's that bit. It's... There's the, I thought the uh, the bike car chase could have been a, a little bit tighter in, oh, uh, yes. in the editing. Uh, in a way that was re- was revealed. As I say, I did, I did like it. So th- those, I think, are probably the only main criticisms that I have for it. Yeah. Then it gets a bit sort of difficult because then it's just sort of... Uh, initial reactions to it you know that sort of intangible thing of well why don't I regard it as a perfect episode it's a bit difficult I still think it's good yeah. but I just I, I think 8 out of 10 is you know yeah. fine and I do I do love um, the portrayal of the villain mm-hmm. the, this this mysterious entity um, which really really feels dangerous you know mm-hmm. so yeah I think I can legitimise my, my score <laughs> that's <laughs> good see. I do need more sleep <laughs> So, <laughs> see how I feel tomorrow. Yeah, we better wrap things up then. Um, so, uh, just before we say goodbye, because uh, earlier on in the podcast we asked ourselves uh, some questions, so see if we've got the answers. Um, I'll go first. In Jodie Whittaker's debut episode, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, after she fell through the roof of the train, um, I asked what was her first word spoken. Um, did you have an idea of what that could be? <laughs> No, I, I really haven't. The only thing I can think of, and I think I'm miles off. <laughs> For some reason, I can picture Jodie Whittaker saying this, but I don't think it's the right answer. I just think she goes, <laughs> I think she goes, oh, hello. Oh, what's that? Well, it wasn't anything remarkable. It was, um, it was, what? That was it. <laughs> what? That was it? Not, it, was, it wasn't a full on, like, David Tennant, like, What? What it was? It was just um, she jumped. She fell through the roof. Uh-huh. She was face to face with everyone. They were looking through her at this um, tentacle entity thing, mm-hmm. and she's looking at their reactions. And she says, "What?" So that's it. <laughs> oh, right. oh, okay. That's a bit. That's a bit disappointing. But okay, I knew it was underwhelming, but I, I thought she said a bit more than that. But okay. Uh, my question was, what was the last televised story we saw the master use his tissue compression eliminator? Oh, did you say use, or what time, last time did we see it? Okay. Um, uh, Mark of the Rani? Uh, didn't it feature? It did, actually, but I've just realised, because what I've... I'm going to give you that one. What? It, cause, okay. uh, so what it is is that he, he, he uses it in The Trial of a Time Lord, the ultimate foe, against... I wouldn't... I wouldn't have got that either. No, but the All thing right, okay. is, he uses it, but it doesn't work. Uh, okay. Whereas the uh, whereas the previous story he used it was was the mark of the Rani, and we see him use it, and it does work. So, you, so, yeah, right, I give okay. you that mark of the Rani. Yeah, I only got the mark of the Rani because I remember the um, in the special features that were talking about how the production crew was sniggering on scene because he was holding it and it looked like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah, I'm aware of that story as well, and because uh, I think Janet Fielding has also said that it uh, it look it, it looks rather phallic, um, <laughs> and because that was a thing. So when we, I think that's probably the reason why we don't see the tissue compression eliminator in New Doctor Who anymore. Yeah. Uh, so they've they've brought. It's not very PC. <laughs> 
<laughs> bloody political correctness. You can't have things that look like vibrators on the show anymore. Disgraceful. Anyway. anyway. And on that note... Oh, um, just a final thing. Uh, in terms of social media, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Bell. We're also on Instagram at Cloister underscore Bell. Uh, we have our own website, www.cloisterbell.co.uk. Um, we're also on we're fa- on Facebook. Yes, and what's the Facebook thingy? If you search Cloister Bell Podcast, it should come up. All right, simple as that. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so please get in contact with us uh, just to share your thoughts, views, opinions, whatever, with the podcast and Doctor Who in general, but you're absolutely fantastic. And do remember to subscribe. There's a number of ways you can listen. We're on the main podcast outlets like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, We are also on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure to get these episodes on YouTube as quickly as possible. Um, It's not always as easy as putting out a podcast because, of course, you have to render a lot, like a an hour-long video and upload it. Gotcha. <laughs> so there might be a slight delay with YouTube, but that's one way to subscribe and keep up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so Doctor Who returns with Spyfall Part 2 on Sunday at 7pm on BBC One. In Part 2 of this epic spy thriller, a terrifying plan to destroy humanity is about to reach fruition. Can the Doctor and her friends escape multiple traps and defeat the Deadly Alliance? Ooh. What alliance? Oh, the alliance between the Master and the aliens? Yeah. Who are, yeah, okay. Who are obviously the Verd from Keys of Marinus. That was um, something that occurred to me. Was that oh, because really? of the... It wasn't a serious thought, but it did occur to me. What What made you think of it? Well, um, sort of like the overall shape of them. Uh, I'm aware that there's also a Doctor Who comic. I mean, I know that I said earlier in the podcast, I don't think it is the Cybermen. But I know that there's a Doctor Who comic where the Verd come back... And they are the Cybermen. I also think just be absolutely hilarious if they if they bring back this thing that's only been seen in uh, since 1964. Yeah. Um, of course, that big finish have brought back the board. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, in the Companion Chronicles, and also um, in the Eighth Doctor Adventures. Ah, okay, but also uh, in this story, uh, what's Barton's company called? Yeah, that that's another thing that um, made the connection in my mind. Yeah. It's like Vore or but, um But the Vord on these um, weird extra-dimensional aliens <laughs> from beyond the universe. <laughs> They're just people in wetsuits and flippers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now that you mention it. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny just to go, my, my ridiculous fan theory. But yes, after next week's episode, make sure to get on social media, let us know what you thought, and um, we'll read out your responses. Yep, until then, goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.